Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello and good to have you here. This is Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here. This is Podcast 320. As we take a deep dive into the primacy and recency effect, hope you're having a good week, achieving those goals you set out for this year, that you've realized that everything you want in life is on the other side of persuasion. That's why we're here as we talk about persuasion, negotiation, motivation, self-persuasion, and of course, the keys to persuade with power. Been a good week for me. I actually did not travel, did webinars, did about ooh, 15 hours of webinars this week on the latest sales tools couple different audiences. Doesn't matter whether you sell, you negotiate, you persuade. The tools are very similar. Same potatoes got to change the gravy. Same rice got to change the curry. Same pasta got to change the sauce. I mean, no matter what we do, we all persuade for a living. Parents, teachers, leaders, managers. And we have to adapt these tools to age groups, to personalities, to, to our specific goals. And that's the key you need to understand. If you're getting a lot of no's, a lot of resistance we got to go back and look at the world of persuasion and influence. So a little housekeeping. You can contact me at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com, or just go to the website, Maximize Your Influence. you can find a link to InfluenceUniversity.com. That's the advanced training where you're ready to take everything to the next level, to take your persuasion IQ test to see where you rank, to get the new edition of Maximum Influence. That's a new edition. Pick up a little shipping and handling. So let's dive into it. Let's do our blunder of the week. Don't, don't, don't. Now, if you've been on the show for a while, you know I talk a lot about airlines and pilots, how we judge their voices and the words they use and how the airlines are so careful with not saying crashed versus water landing. <laughs> they don't say problem. They say challenge. They're trained. But the challenge is when they don't have a script, they're not very trained. When the Flight attendants and the pilots go off a script. They're actually really good. But when something happens and they're off script, strange things tend to happen. And that's true in the world of persuasion influence. There's a time and place for a good script, especially if you're training new people. Because when we get tense, we get uneasy, we go off script and we say stupid things. We just do. And so that's a lesson for you is stay on script. Don't go off script because that's when things happen is when people go off script. They start making things up or saying dumb things like this one. So we're on the plane, getting ready to take off. Oh, delay. They don't say late. It was delayed. So the plane's delayed. Okay, not late, delayed. So that's the first thing. There was a mechanical difficulty. You know, pilots never say the plane's broke. It's a mechanical difficulty. That's more verbal packaging, as I call it. It's one of the 12 laws of persuasion and maximum influence. So this pilot went off script. There's good and bad to this. So the pilot came on, deep voice, which we know are more credible. Inflected down, which we know increases credibility. So, ladies and gentlemen, I got good and bad news. The bad news is we're having mechanical difficulties. Okay, so that part's okay. The deep voice, kind of slowing down a little bit to emphasize the point. But then he said, the good news is the ground crew has found the manual and they're attempting to fix it now. <laughs> Woo, how many things are wrong with that? You're like, wait a minute. Uh, 
First of all, the word attempting to fix it now, that's not good on an airplane. And they need a manual to fix this thing? You would think these mechanics just know what to do. Now I get it. My brother-in-law is a mechanic. I know how it works. But still, I don't think that's something you want to share with people stuck on a plane. Mechanical difficulties. Planes broke. Even though they said it the right way, they're attempting to fix it now. That is the blunder of the week. Goes to that pilot. Was trying to calm everyone down and did half of it right, but then the other half made everybody nervous. And you have to think about the words you use. Here's the challenge. And I've trained almost in every industry. And the challenge is it doesn't matter the company or the industry, is that people get so close to their product, their service, their company, their idea, what they're doing, is they lose the emotional side of the words they use. Because bankrupt to an accountant, they use it all day long, doesn't phase them. But it could phase a prospect. Lawyers use contracts all day long, but that could trigger a bad subconscious trigger with the prospect. Doctors use the word appointment all day long, but for most people that's a bad trigger because appointments long, it's waiting. Might be better to say time to visit. So watch it. You're probably using this blunder every day and you don't even know it. Now time for a geeky scholarly article. This one comes from Organization and Management, and Kimberly Elsbach of University of California basically how to pitch your ideas. If someone's leading a project and someone's leading a team, how do you pitch your ideas and how do you be more persuasive? Now, Kimberly, or Professor Elsbach, is an expert in organizational behavior at UC Davis Graduate School of Management. So she looked at researchers, scientists, engineers, and observed creative team meetings, and later interviewed these project leaders. So she came up with some ways that you could be more influential with your project leader or who's ever in charge of your team. First, she says, you've got to figure out who you're persuading. And she divides it into two categories. She says there's the idealist who view themselves as artistic, independent, and unique in their creative approach, and pragmatists who see themselves as practical, collaborative, and rational. So your first goal, and we talk about this all the time on the podcast, is our goal is to persuade people how they want to be persuaded. So present that idea after you've identified the category your project lead fits into. Or I'd define an idealist as a dreamer, visionary, perfectionist, maybe even optimist. Pragmatic is more down-to-earth, business-like, efficient, practical, maybe even use the word logical. So get a feel for the person you're trying to persuade and which characteristics they take on. Idealist or pragmatic? Because he says a lot of people have a lot of their identity invested in their ideas. And they might be threatened with ideas or threatened with change. So if this person's a pragmatist, and she says that's usually most project leaders, about 80% of the time, because organizations value their problem-solving approach and their drive to keep those timelines. And she found that these pragmatists are more willing to consider ideas from others, especially if those ideas seem to improve the feasibility of their projects. So with this type of person, present your idea in a practical approach that is going to improve the pre-existing ideas. Show them how it can be quickly implemented, how simple it is, and have a little passion for your idea. Now, the idealist, they see the project they're leading as a direct reflection of themselves. So for this person, the approach is the exact opposite. So here you have to show appreciation for their their vision and their artistic approach and what they've done, and then not be impassionate. Offer general vague suggestions with an open-ended timeline. Basically, you're asking questions, you're revealing what you have, you're, you're leading them down the path to help them persuade themselves. 
This is the person you have to be careful that you're not making fun of their children. What am I saying? Sometimes when you deal with an idealist or a graphic designer or an IT professional that creates software, this is their baby. They've created this and this is what they're doing. This is their project. Their self-esteem is tied to this. And just like you don't make fun of other people's children because you'll always get in trouble. See, a parent can make fun of their own children, but other parents can't make fun of those children, if you know what I'm saying. Or say something negative. And that's true here. You got to be very careful with how you offer suggestions in the timeline and ask the right questions to kind of lead them down the path to help them persuade themselves. So when you're persuading or pitching your ideas or dealing with a team lead, figure out their style, adapt, persuade them how they want to be persuaded, and you're going to get what you want, when you want, and win friends for life. All right, let's jump into some listener email. This is from Roger from Cincinnati. Oh, boy. That's in Ohio for my international friends in the United States. Says, Kurt, thanks for your podcast and all your research. I am persuading with power. I was reading a book the other day, and one of the chapters was on the primacy and recency effect, and I did not get it, but it sounded interesting. Can you tell me what that is and how I can use it in the world of persuasion and influence? Absolutely, Roger. That's a good thing for everyone to understand the primacy and recency effect. So let's take those separately. The primacy effect is if you were given a list of things to remember or asked to remember what you heard in the presentation, chances are you're going to remember what you heard in the beginning more than any other time, especially in the middle. Now, recency is you're going to remember things at the end more than the middle. So bottom line, primacy and recency effect, you're going to remember the beginning and the end more than anything in the middle. And that's why in your message, your most important things go in the beginning and the end and definitely not in the middle. And primacy works really well is that the listener, the person you're trying to persuade, is more likely to be paying attention at the very beginning than getting bored in the middle when the cell phone buzzes or an email comes in or something happens, especially on a webinar or if you don't have their eye contact. And that's why it's so important that first 30, 60, 90 seconds, whatever it is, you've identified what's in it for them, what's in it for the team, you've grabbed their attention, they know how it affects them. That way, they're more likely to listen more throughout the presentation. In an interesting research study by Solomon Ash, this was done a while back, but it's really interesting. They went up to these people in the research, and they described somebody as envious, stubborn, critical, impulsive, industrious, and intelligent. Then he went to other people and just said intelligent, industrious, impulsive, critical, stubborn, and envious. The second group rated the person better than the first group. Because remember, the first person you described as envious and stubborn, even though the words were all the same, but the second time, even though the words were the same, you start off with intelligent and industrious. So primacy effect is important, especially identifying that what's in it for them grabbing their attention, because if they're not listening, it's your fault. So any list, you're going to remember the first things probably the best. Second, the last things. So if you want something to really stand out in their mind, you really want them to pay attention during a conversation or during a presentation, make sure it's in the beginning so it gets locked in their minds. So primacy effect is the first things first, the most important things first, and I'll put in what's in it for them because that's what they're going to remember the most. Now, the recency effect, or we can call it the last effect, we're going to remember the first ones probably the best, and then the last ones second best. So if you want something to stand out in their mind, their conversation, what you end with is very, very important. So Miller and Campbell did a study on this, and it was proceedings from a trial. They were looking at different sequences of arguments for and against the plaintiff. Sometimes they'd wait a week before the second part of the message. 
So they found that when there was no delay between the first and second message, they remembered the first part first, the primacy effect. But then when there's a delay between the first and second message, the recency effect occurred. So if you're doing two or three or four presentations, what they remember the most is the last piece. But if it's just one longer presentation, they remember a lot of the first stuff first. So this also applies to order. If you were persuading someone and there's five people, do you go first, do you go last, do you go in the middle? So let's talk about this. The answer is, it depends. But the answer always is never in the middle. If you can, you can't always choose your order, but if you can go first or last, try to choose that. But if you're speaking or persuading on something that they've never really heard before, they never thought about before, you want to be the first to share the message so that you can start skewing their ideas to you because they haven't thought about it. And you're the first time they've ever heard this, so now they'd be more willing to accept it than if they've already thought it through. Now, if all five speakers are speaking on the same thing and they've all studied it, they've researched it, they know about it, they're maybe experts in the industry, go last because that's the final thing they're going to remember. And you have that last little shot to stay in their memory and change their mind and persuade them. So regardless, always try to go first or last when there's a group of people. In your message, the most important stuff's in the beginning and the end. And if there's going to be a long gap, keep the most important stuff for the end. And this brings another piece, Roger. If there's a gap between your first and second presentations, you've got to be very careful that you just don't launch into that second piece. You've got to review. This is what I mean. I know this has happened to a lot of you to where they're going to think about it. They're going to do it. They're going to check your website. They're going to talk to a partner. They're... And you call that second time, did you read it? Did you do it? And they're like, no, I'm not interested. You're like, whoa, whoa, what happened? It was a perfect fit. It was a done deal last week. It's because you launched in without rebuilding the emotions. And they don't want to feel stupid. They didn't do it. So number one, you got to give a little leeway there in case they didn't do it. You want to back them into a corner. Number two, you have to rebuild the emotions before you ask them if they did what you asked them to do. Go through the what's in it for them and rebuild the emotions and their hot buttons and what was exciting to them. And then, and only then, should you ask them about the next step or if they did what you were asking them to do. And a similar piece to primacy and recency is known as the Von Restorff effect. Is basically, remember things that stand out. So, throughout your presentation, as often you can, especially the beginning and the end, make things stand out. Make the things that you really want them to take away, remember to stand out. Like if you had a list of six or seven words and one was book, one was house, one was plane, one was grass, one was tree, but then one was green kangaroo, something like that. And maybe if it was a list they saw that was italicized or bolded or a different color, because if you ever watch Mr. Rogers, one of these things is not like the others and it just really grabs our attention. All the other things are somewhat generic. This one's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Now, von Restorff also found out that there's a reverse effect here, that we do remember this unique item a lot more than the others. It grabs our attention, but then we can't remember the other things. It, it takes away the attention from the others. Now, if the other things are important too, you got to be careful with this, but if you really want them to remember that one, have it really pop out and be different, and that's what they're going to remember. Taylor and Fisk also did a study about this. They found that to really grab that attention, it has to be something novel, distinctive, or surprising. And that really enhances the Von Restorff effect. So in an age when our attention spans are all-time low, we're receiving over 5,000 persuasive messages a day, people are battling for our time, we have to stand out. 
So we either do it by using the primacy or recency effect or both. And add a little Von Restorf, where is there something just unique and different that just pops out about you, your presentation, your message, or all of the above, and it'll make a huge difference in your ability to persuade. So on a final note, let's talk about this. It's what we remember, what we don't remember. The challenge is for human beings, we make judgments based on what we remember. And we think we have the complete data, but we don't have all the information we need. And worse, we don't even remember the things we're supposed to remember. We just judge based on what we remember. So we remember the first things, the last things, maybe recent experiences, things we've gone through. It might depend on things that were easier to imagine or a persuader that created a visual illustration. Maybe they felt uncomfortable. Maybe it was unique and different. Maybe it was curiosity, suspense. A lot of things we're still learning about the brain. In fact, interesting study done by Schwartz, people were asked for six examples when they'd been assertive. And most came up with six. The other group was asked to come up with 12 examples, and that was just way too much. They couldn't do it. 12 examples of when they'd been assertive. And the people that came up with a six scored themselves higher because the data they came up with was easier. They could remember six more than 12. Because think about it. Three people witness a robbery or witness an accident, you're getting three very different stories. It's not that they're lying. It's just what we remember. It's the filters in our brain. You have to remember your brain and your prospect's brain is not a hard drive. That's why your family and friends, when they tell you a story about what you did when you were growing up, you're like, that's not how it happened, but that's how they remember it. Is It's your job to help your prospect remember, but what they remember and you remember can be two very different things. You're too close to it. You remember what you talk about it because you talk about it all the time. They don't remember. So you have to make sure in those primary meetings that you're using the primacy and the recency effect, the von Rossdorf effect that we talked about, you have to know what they remember and you remember are two very different things. In fact, there's this big seminar and training for psychologists, and they followed up with them two weeks later to find out what they learned, what they remembered, and over half the things what they remembered or that they thought they learned weren't even talked about. That's the brain you're dealing with. You have to cut through that clutter. Like I mentioned before, attention spans are at an all-time low. So not only you have to be clear and concise, but you have to cut through the clutter and help them remember what you want them to remember. Because if you don't, they're not going to remember what you want them to remember. Another study. So they had these people watch this presentation. And during the presentation, there were 10 features that were discussed about this product, right? 10 features. Now, as persuaders, we think they'll remember all of those, or at least most of those. But here's the scary numbers. When they went through the 10 later on, only 10% got 7 to 10 of them correct. 10%. 32% got 4 to 6 correct. Are you sitting down? Think about this. 58% could only remember 1 to 3 of them. So even though it makes perfect sense in your brain, you talk about it all the time, you've got to cut through that clutter. You've got to remind them. You've got to use primacy and recency. You've got to use the Von Restorf effect. Whatever you can do to cut through that clutter. Never assume that they understand Never assume they remember. It's your job as the persuader to take ownership of that. And to top all that off, with our low attention spans, people need to be engaged and entertained more. It's called edutainment. I see this with college students and even in the corporate world. You see a lot of corporate trainers now doing juggling and sword swallowing and magic tricks to keep people's attention. Even the university level, the students want more of the entertainment factor more than just the education factor. And it's true across the board around the world. With media and YouTube and cell phones and instant gratification, we want it now. We want to be entertained. We want to be engaged. And that's something you can do to take your persuasion skills to the next level. 
So that's our podcast today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your love and support. Tell your family, friends, and enemies. Also go to YouTube at Maximize Your Influence. I post a video that kind of supersizes some of the things we talked about today. Also on Spotify, iHeart, and iTunes, or just go to Maximize Your Influence. Check out Persuasive Presentations, the formula, that step-by-step formula to create that persuasive presentation at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. With that, take something that you've learned today, apply it this week, make it one of your tools, and as you know, go out and persuade with power. 